Hello, I'm Loz and welcome to Sensory Matters. Today we're joined by Rico. Hello, Rico. Is, is that how you pronounce your name? Yeah. Yeah. So Rico is here. We're going to talk today about gender and sexuality, but you actually have a PDA blog and page. Yeah, um, I've got a Facebook page, uh, Rico's PDA page. Because I know a lot of people that follow us, um, they, they are PDA or they've got children who are PDA. So if anybody wants to go and check out Rico's Facebook page, there's a lot of really interesting stuff on there as well worth a follow. So first of all, can I ask you what your preferred pronouns are? Um, yeah, uh, my pronouns are they, them. They, them. So are you aromantic and agender? Have I got that right? Yeah, and also yeah. Um, asexual as well. <laughs> right, because this is where I get a little bit confused with um, like non-binary, agender, asexual and aromantic. Um, so agender is your gender. Yeah. And ase- aromantic is your sexuality. Um, aromantic is uh, my romantic attraction. Right, so um, then asexual is the sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for people who don't understand it, and probably a bit more for me as well, because I do to an extent, could you just explain it a bit more? Yeah, I mean, it is complicated. There's a lot of labels. Um, do you want me to explain all three? Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, so um, agenda is um, basically it's when you don't have a gender. Um, so, like, some people, um, like, they feel like the gender's missing or they don't have one. Um, for me, I feel like I was never meant to have a gender. Um, it's just, like, not so much there's something missing. It's just, like, I don't know, the way I was built wasn't designed for to have a gender. Um, yeah. Whereas other people are, like, or oh, I feel more feminine or I feel more masculine or a switch between the both. For me, it's just, like, there's nothing there and, like, yeah. There's not meant to be anything there. It's just like a yeah. blank thing. Just you. <laughs> yeah. Um, with my asexuality, um, asexuality is um, when you have little or no sexual attraction. Um, so some people, they don't experience any sexual attraction at all. Other people, it's um, they only experience it occasionally or in certain situations. Um, for me, I've never experienced sexual attraction. I've never had a crush. I've never had, I've never experienced love or um, like um, lust or anything like that. It's just, just nothing there. Basically, I mean, and you don't feel like you're missing out on any of that. No, not really. No. I mean, sometimes I wonder what the fuss is all about, but it seems a lot. It seems like um, a lot of hassle, and it's just, I don't know. It just seems like a lot of work, and I'm just. Not really bothered yeah, about not having it. Relationships in general are a lot of work. Yeah. And with um, aromantic, um, that's similar similar um, to asexuality, except it's around romantic attraction. Um, so I don't experience any romantic attraction. Um, I never have. The whole idea of romance is just very confusing for me and I don't really get it. Um so some people, um, there's something called the split attraction model, which is where you split up your sexuality and your rom- romantic attraction. Um, some people, they might be ro- um, romantically attracted to women and they might be like sexually attracted to men. Um, or it could be the same for a lot of people, like the romantic and sexual attraction is the same. And so they don't notice any difference between the two. So it's just like they might be like, oh, I'm gay and, or I'm straight and that's just it. Um, yeah. But for me, 
um it it does feel different um so like i use the split attraction model um because like not having a romantic attraction feels different to not having a sexual attraction even though yeah. i don't feel either of them it's a bit hard to describe yeah i know but... i've got a couple of friends who are asexual but they are in re- romantic relationships yeah, some people are oh, asexual, but not aromantic. And some people are aromantic, but not asexual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when did you realise that you were agender, aromantic um, and asexual? I mean, I think I've always sort of known, but like because I didn't have the words to describe it when I was younger, um, I didn't really understand. So I always yeah. knew like I wasn't a girl or a boy. But I didn't have the words to express it, so I thought maybe I, I was just, like, not very good at being a girl. Um, yeah. And the idea, I mean, when I was younger, I thought, oh, maybe, because I, I didn't feel like I was a girl, I thought, oh, maybe I'm a boy. And so yeah. I thought about that, and it's just like the idea was just like, no, definitely not. Um, so then I just settled and thought, oh, maybe I'm just really bad at being a girl. And then when I <laughs> did discovered... You, did you grow up in the 80s and the 90s? Um. Yeah, I was born in the late 80s. Yeah, um, so I was born in the early 80s, so I think like we probably went through a similar um, time. where Because yeah. I, I, I see myself as demigirl. Yeah. I've never I've never particularly felt like a girl. I don't think I'm non-binary. So yeah. I think demigirl fits me better. But I think back when we were growing up, nobody knew about any of this. And yeah. so you just kept it all in and you just felt a bit of a... Like, you, you knew inside you felt different, but you couldn't tell anybody? Yeah. I mean, I only started um, learning about transgender people when I was in my um, late teens, early 20s. Even then, the knowledge was so limited. It never even crossed my mind that, like, I might be trans or non-binary because it just, the information wasn't there. You are a boy or a girl, and that was it. You are a gay or straight, and that was it. And it's just yeah. like when you don't fit those things you just think oh you just choose whatever's closest and try and make do (laughs) yeah so did you find that isolating when you were growing up a bit um because I I always struggled to fit in with girls um I never really managed to befriend boys so I I always just felt like I was on the edge of um social groups because everyone would be talking about oh um this is what it's like to be a girl and this is what it's like to be a woman and I'd just be sat there like Eh, and not really understanding why it was like being surrounded by aliens and not understanding why you didn't fit in. (laughs) Yeah, I know when I was growing up, it was a pretty similar experience because the girls were all like going to parties, talking about makeup and hair and pop stars. And I always tried to fit in, but again, I was on the outside, but I did kind of, I could befriend boys a lot easier. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I'm reading off questions. That's why I'm looking to the side. So how long from sort of realising did it take you to come out and live as your authentic self? Um, I've always sort of been myself um, because I never managed to fit in with women or men. I just figured I might as well do my own thing. Um, So I've always dressed the way I felt comfortable. When I was in my early 20s, I used to like shop in the men's section as much as the women's section because I just liked the clothes better. Um, I remember when I was a kid, my mum tried to force me into dresses and skirts and that never worked. Um, It sounds like we've had a very similar life. (laughs) Yeah. 
so like I've never really um I mean there were times when I would try and like try to pretend to be a woman but it never really worked so I just figured I might as well do what makes me happy um I cut, started cutting my hair short when I was um in my late teens and just dressing however I wanted and just doing whatever I wanted I figured if I couldn't fit in I might as well just do whatever I like um so then when I, I um when I finally found discovered the word agenda and figured out who I was there wasn't really much for me to do because at that point I'd already changed my name to one that I preferred um and then I realized that's one of the reasons why and the only thing that was left really was like changing my pronouns and then just coming out so it was quite easy for me because there wasn't much for me to do (laughs) did it take you a long time to decide on the name um it did because I wanted to create something unique. I always liked the word, the name Recor, but it's usually spelt with a curly cut and it just didn't seem appealing to me. So it took a while and I figured I could use a kicking cut instead. Um, and that yeah. seemed like the, the right choice. Um, and it did take a while for me to figure out my last name, which is Ryuki. Um, no, yeah. I just... I put a bunch of letters together until I came up with something I liked. Well, I think it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I was going to ask, how did you transition as an agenda person? But I suppose you've not really had much to do. No, I mean, there's social transitioning and there's medical transitioning. And I, um, I'd already mostly socially transitioned there wasn't much to do on that front medically transitioning that's a really personal choice um for me because I feel like I don't have a gender and I shouldn't really have a sex um the type of transition that I want doesn't really exist the most I could do would be to have um a breast surgery like top surgery um, which at the moment isn't feasible, um, but I'm hoping one day that will be, and then I'll get that done. Um, but other than that, there's not really much I can do, so it's just sort of like making the best <laughs> to do with what I've got and just like trying to be the best. Was it difficult I can. to kind of like change your pronouns on medical records and the bank and you know all the important things? Um, it's a bit because of my the situation um that I'm in at the moment I'm not able to change things just yet um there's a bit of a like a personal circumstances around that um but as soon as I can I'm going to be changing like as much as I can um using mx instead of miss or mister um and then like changing my name and the pronouns where I can yeah because I know because now obviously you get a lot of choices when you when you make a bank account or when you sign up to something, if I'm doing a form, there's so many options and I think that's fantastic. But for people like us who you were either miss or master yeah. when you were born, yeah, I thought like it, it must be quite difficult unless you get some understanding people that will, you know, and I know with banks and things, they're, they're quite rigid with what they do. Yeah, it's a bit frustrating. So hopefully that will go quite smooth for you when you're ready to do that. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so I was going to ask how everyday life changes when you transition to agender. Uh, I'm thinking more like toilets, changing rooms. Did, did you did you always go in the female changing rooms and toilets initially? Um, 
I mean, I have used men's toilets in the past, mostly um, when the women's toilets are like busy or full up or not working. Yeah. Um, I've no problem using either. Um, it just it feels safer to use the women's. Um, yeah, partially because I'm still like seen as feminine in a lot of ways, but also it just overall seems safer. <laughs> so like yeah. if like. I need to choose and there's a lot of people around I'll probably just go for whatever's safest I mean yeah. if there was a non-binary option I would definitely go for that but because it's not yeah and I've started to see a lot of places that do have either, either just gender um, non-gender specific toilets although uh, I know a lot of my friends tend to use the disabled because I've got a lot of trans friends um, because they they come up against lots of difficult situations of like being thrown out of toilets because they're told they've gone in the wrong toilets and just think, how has anybody got time in the world to, to be doing that, throwing somebody out of a toilet? Yeah, it's quite ridiculous. I mean, you, you just want to get in and out and do your business. You don't really, like, <laughs> you're not there to <laughs> party or anything. No, that's what you do. And actually, you'd probably prefer to do it at home if you could. Yeah. I mean, if I saw yeah. someone, like, if I saw a guy in the girls' toilets, I'd just presume the guy's toilets are, like, closed for repair or something. I wouldn't like be all why are you in here unless like you could see they were doing something that they shouldn't um but if like yeah and i suppose well, like men's toilets have got the urinals where women's are all cubicles maybe they should just all be cubicles yeah and like personally yeah, I think like easier. there should be like toilets designed based on like what you need so there should be urinals in a separate area to like um the the ones where you sit down and stuff um, I think yeah. also they should have like designated children's ones, especially like if you're going to the toilet and there's somebody in there changing a nappy and with a bunch of kids and everything and you just want to get in and out. It's so much yeah. easier if they just segregate it by families and adults who just want to get in and out and do the business. It's Yeah, definitely. Because I know there's like a lot of men who take their, their girls out. Yeah. And then a lot of mums who take their boys out and they really struggle with which toilet to take them into and at what age do you stop taking them into your toilets? Yeah, especially since there's no changing tables in most men's toilets, so then they have to use the women and then the women's might not feel safe or they might be like, why are you in here and let's like, I'm with my kids. So it'd be better if they had like a designated family changing area. It just made more sense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um. So how do you experience gender in a binary world? Um, it is difficult because I just a lot of the ways I just feel left out or like like things aren't designed for me because um, like you go in places and they're like, oh, this is just for women or this is just for men and you just like, well, what about me? Do I not get anything? <laughs> it's like, <Yeah. laughs> like when you're constantly having to just choose the, the closest best choice it's not really it, it's not very inclusive it just makes you feel like you're an afterthought and it's quite difficult in that way and a lot of things like I'd like to participate in some stuff but when they use heavily gendered like language it just makes me feel like not great <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah, and I think things are starting to change, but it's just a slow process, isn't it? Yeah, I've noticed a lot. And then of it, I see a lot of times um, people think non-binary is just like another term for women. Um, I've seen a lot of 
like women and non-binary or men and like the separating it and what about um it makes me think about what about the non-binary people who are like masculine leaning like demi boys and people who are gender fluid and sometimes they're male um it just feels like they just think non-binary is women light when it's not it's a whole range yeah. of different genders <laughs> yeah and i think the, the other thing that i heard um was that people are saying it's trendy to be non-binary yeah, they say that about so, everything. Like it's trendy to be autistic like and it's trendy to be trans, yeah. and it's not trendy just because a lot of people are no. suddenly coming out doesn't mean it's it's a trend. It's just because we're finally realizing what we've always known. I mean, if I yeah, had and the world is in a more accepting place, so yeah. you, you're not as nervous to do it. But yeah, I, I did hear somebody say, you know, it's just a trend. And somebody did ask me because Jamie, my eldest child, um, is non-binary, and they said, oh. But it's just a phase. It'll, you know, they'll grow out of it, won't they? And I'm like, well, no. <laughs> no, I've been this then, way for like, over thirty years. Case, all kids that age would be non-binary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was. It was. I know a lot of people say it about autism as well. It's just people try and get an autism diagnosis to be trendy, and that's really not the case. And it just shows how small-minded some people can be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what is the difference then between non-binary and a- a- non-binary non-binary and agender? Well, um agenda comes under the non-binary um label. Um I like to think of non-binary as being like a rainbow. It encompasses all the different colours. It's not just like one colour. Um and agenda would be like maybe purple in the rainbow. Um so non-binary class is class is for anybody who isn't solely male or female so that includes a gender or gender void people who like don't have a gender it includes gender fluid people who might switch from one gender to another um it includes people who aren't fully like male or female but like like demi boys and demi girls and there's just a whole spectrum of different genders and people yeah, so, so non-binary is kind of the top of the umbrella and they all sit under it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Um, so when you realised that you were aromantic, did it affect your life in any way? Um, I think in a lot of ways it, it did um, because, like, I'd never understood romantic attraction. I'd always felt like I was missing something, like everyone's talking like it's like an in joke and I I didn't get the I wasn't part of the in joke and everyone's talking about it and I'm like what's going on I don't understand and there's a lot of focus on um, romantic attraction and like romance especially like with things like Valentine's Day and for me romance has always been icky I've I've never I've been quite repulsed by it um so when people celebrate all this it's just like celebrating something that I really do not like and don't want to be part of um and I always yeah. thought maybe I'm just like grumpy or something um and then once I figured out that I was aromantic it just made complete sense and I was like oh that explains all of that and I thought well finally I can stop pushing myself to try and like understand it and try and fit in when like I clearly don't fit in so I was quite happy to find yeah, so it so you're kind of like masking in a way Sort of, yeah. I mean... Pretending to be romantic. Yeah. I mean, I did try and, like, push myself a bit 
to sort of enjoy it but yeah I just I just don't understand it it just makes no sense to me so (laughs) yeah yeah so one of um, I think my next question is on this one um or I might have actually missed it off. Oh, no, it is here. So that was what I was going to ask you, because you were saying about Valentine's Day, like in the media and everything, we, we kind of say that romance is amazing and you need to have romance to be happy. So does does that stop you from wanting to watch those sort of films or does it does it upset you in any way? Or I don't, I don't know, how do you feel about the media? Um, well, I class myself as um, ego-romantic, which basically means that while I don't, feel romantic attraction for myself I enjoy other people participating in it it's a bit so basically I I like watching romantic tv programs and like films and seeing other people all lovey-dovey and whatever I don't know I just it just makes me feel happy to see other people happy um, but if any of that was directed at me, I would just be like, oh, no, get it away from me. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a bit funny that way. Um, so I don't mind other people participating in it. And like, I'm okay with watching programs and stuff. Sometimes if it's like overly romantic, I'll just be like, it's a bit too much. Um, yeah. But I don't mind um, other people doing it as long as they keep it away from me. <laughs> So is is that the same with kind of like sexual content in TV programs? Because I still cringe at stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I've been through quite a big process. Even though I'm a roman, um, even though I'm asexual, I'm um, sex positive and sex favorable. What that means is, while I don't experience sexual tr- attraction towards people, I still enjoy sex. I think a lot of that is sensory, um, but basically, like. I don't see people and be like, oh, I'd like to have sex with them. But I might, like, get horny and be like, oh, it'd be nice if there was someone I could have sex with. But for me, I mean, I might have preferences at the time, like, for the type of person I might want to, like, um, have a sexual encounter with. I might be like, oh, I'd um, I'd like to be with a woman this time. But it's not because I'm sexually attracted to them. It's more like a preference. a lot of people relate it to um, being hungry and eating food. So when you're hungry, you might just want to eat food, but you might not care what you're eating as long as it fills that need. Um, whereas other people, they might see some cake and instantly become hungry because they're seeing the cake and they want to eat that specific cake. Um, yeah. so being For me, it's very similar. Um, when I feel horny, basically, um, I want to satisfy that need. I don't mind whether I do that with a person or like on my own. Um, whereas other people, they might see someone and that would make them horny and they want to have a sexual encounter with that actual person. Whereas I've never felt that. Um, I've never seen someone and been like, I want to have sex with them. Um, it's just like, eh, if somebody's around at the time and willing, then I'll just have sex with them. Um that's, that's a really interesting way to look at it like because I, I don't know about any of this I yeah. think that's that's why I wanted to do um I want to do a few videos over the pride month just because we, we we like touch the surface when it comes to gender and sexuality but people don't really understand the depths of it yeah 
So that, yeah, I found that that's really interesting. And that makes a lot of sense as well. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of asexual people who are sex repulsed. Um, so some people might never have had sex or um, they've never had sex with a person um, because they just like, they don't like it in a similar way that I'm romance repulsed and I never want to have anything to do with romance myself. Other people might be sex repulsed and not want anything to do with sex themselves. Um, for me, when I was younger, um, I was very, um, like, wanting to experience sexual things. But because I had a lot of dysphoria with my gender and my sexual like body parts and stuff, that caused a lot of barriers and it made things difficult. Um, it, it's like being hungry and wanting to eat, but it makes you feel ill at the same time. Um so, like, I wanted to do stuff, but at the same time, I really didn't because, like, it was just, it made me feel, in, feel disgusting or, like, wrong. Um, so, like, it took a lot of figuring out to find what I was comfortable with and, like, getting used to certain, like, sexual um, activities. Um, now I can manage a lot more things so I can meet my needs and not have to worry about feeling like um, dysphoria or like any other negative things. There's still a lot of things that I can't do or that I won't do. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. And I think your analogies are brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I think like, especially for younger people who might watch this or listen to it, who are struggling to know how they feel. Yeah. I think that'll be really helpful. Yeah, because it can yes. be difficult to figure out how you feel um, and what works for you. And there's so many labels out there that it can take a while. Because um, when I first heard about non-binary identities, because I knew I wasn't a boy or a girl, I knew that I must be non-binary, but I didn't know what type of non-binary I was. And it, it took about two years before I finally figured out what like my gender was um, before I came across the word agenda. And I tried on a lot of different labels and like I didn't find ones that fit. So I just kept looking and that can be the same for a lot of people with like the sexual orientation and the romantic orientation. You have to keep trying on different labels till you find one that fits. And some people even create their own labels to describe their experiences. Um, So like it can be quite a journey. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, I think because a lot of people just assume because of labels. So a lot of people might think asexual, that means that you never have sex, you never want sex, you've never had sex before. Yeah. So, because you've got children. Yeah. So I think that some people who are very judgmental as well who might say, well, you can't be asexual because you've got children. Yeah. And I think that's the importance of like digging deeper into this so that people can understand it is a journey. Yeah. And a lot of people, because they're so used to, um, the sexual orientation matching the sexual preferences they don't realize that like the people you don't necessarily have to be sexually attracted to the people that you have sex with your sexual preferences yeah. can be completely different to your um sexual orientation there are lots of like um straight people or gay people who are sex repulsed and they never have sex even though they are sexually attracted to people um, because our sexual preferences are completely can, can be completely different to our sexual orientation. 
Yeah. It's like I, I know people who have like been in a, a same-sex relationship who didn't say that they didn't identify as being gay. They just fell in love with that person. Yeah. And then there's also, I know a couple of people who identify as bi, but they may be married to a man and people are like, well, you can't be bi if you're married to a man. And that's not really how it works. No, like your sexual um, orientation doesn't change just because you're in a, a straight perceived relationship. You still yeah. might get, um, you still might get crushes or lust towards uh, men and women the same. You just don't act on it. Um, so yeah, it be your the people yeah, you're with. I think like you said it. then as well, there's people who are sex repulsed but are still attracted to people. Um, I saw a TikTok and I thought it was really interesting. Uh, this this woman had been told that she couldn't be a lesbian because she'd never slept with a woman. Yeah, that's ridiculous because like it, it's ridiculous. how you feel, not how you act. There are loads of yeah. um, lesbian sex workers who will have sex with men. They're not sexually attracted to them. It's just the job. Yeah. The, it's just what they're doing. They, they might like it, they might not. It doesn't change um, the sexual attraction. It doesn't change how they feel when they see women. It's just... Yeah. And people, so a lot of people don't seem to understand that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting, and I wish more people would understand. Yeah. Or take the time, at least, to just listen a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, or even if they don't understand, just yeah. you don't need to judge other people's um, choices and and the identities, even if you don't understand it. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't understand it and you don't want to understand it, then just say nothing and move on because it doesn't matter yeah. to you. Yeah. But, um, so a couple of questions um, towards the end now. How can we as a society support agender, aromantic, uh, non-binary, asexual people? What, what can we do as a society? I think a big part of it is in education and understanding. Um, we really need um, these uh, identities to be taught in school along with like straight and gay and um, other genders and, and things. Um, the more information people have, the more they can understand um, and I think society as a whole needs to change the way they do things. They need to stop being so, um, what's the word, like narrow-minded, in, especially with gender. Yeah. They're so male and female and that's it. Um, it'd be lovely if they could just branch out a bit and just like stop being so binary, um, especially with things like clothes and, and toilets and things and segregating people by the genders and stuff it'd be lovely to see more yeah. like just inclusive or unisex things but also uh, um actually acknowledging all the other genders as well and it's the same with sexual orientations and romantic orientations i mean um i don't think i've ever seen a program about our romantic people and there's very few programs about asexual people and a lot of the ones that are give the idea that we're broken or damaged in some way. And it's just, it'd be amazing if we could just just have more representation that's more accurate and better. And if people could accept that, like, having sexual attraction and having romantic attraction doesn't necessarily have to be the main focus of things. You can have relationships, even if you're not um, romantically attracted to people. You don't have to have romantic relationships you don't have to have relationships um that have sex in them um queer platonic relationships are very popular um for aromantic and asexual people 
Um, so if those could be like acknowledged and accepted as just as important as romantic and sexual relationships, um, that would be amazing. I just want um, society as a whole to just be more open and accepting of like different people and uh, like stop having such narrow boxes and trying to force everyone into them. Yeah. It would be lovely, wouldn't it? Because I know somebody said to me once, because I'm, I'm a big fan of um, teaching kids about everything you know, from a young yeah. age. And somebody said to me, but if you teach about LGBTQ plus in schools, then that might affect my child and they might then decide they want to be trans or they want to be gay. And if they hadn't learned about it, they would not know about it. And I'm like, that's not really how it no. works. <laughs> and with a parent like you, if they do feel that they're not who they are, they're never going to come out and say it. They're going to live a life hiding away because you'll be so unsupportive. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's really sad. I feel sorry for people that don't have support. I think it's really important for everyone um, to have a bit of a journey and discover the gender and sexual orientation, romantic orientation, even if the end result does mean that they're cis and straight. Um, what's the harm in exploring that? All it's going to do is further cement their identities and it's, it's not going to hurt them. I mean, we all know that like teenagers and people in the 20s experiment and have a lot of sex and relationships and stuff. That's just like, that's just what people do. Um, how is it any different if it's two men or two women or people who just aren't interested yeah. in exploring at all? It's just, yeah, it's going to happen anyway. You might as well just give yeah. them the information so they can make the best choices. Because when I was younger, I experimented a lot and I could have saved myself a lot of hassle if I'd known earlier about my gender and sexual orientation. Because I put myself in some not great situations um, trying to make myself fit in, which I might not have done if I'd actually understood who I was earlier. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose the flip side is that if you don't experiment you might then regret that later on in life yeah. and wish you'd used that opportunity to actually see who you were and what you wanted. Yeah, because there are people in the, like, 70s, 80s, even 90s who were, like, just discovering the trans or non-binary or that they're asexual or um, aromantic or any other um, orientation. And the, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm too old to do anything about it now. Um, and even though they're yeah. not, it's just they shouldn't have to only discover who they are so late in life that's that's unfair because so many people they might be in relationships where they're not happy for so long because they simply don't know any other way of life and they've just been told that's who they should be so they try and force themselves to fit that mold when that's not who they really are yeah and that's really damaging yeah. i think that's really damaging to do that whether it's that you're in a a heterosexual relationship and you're not happy people still think that you should stay together like there's so many reasons that people stay together and it's unhealthy for anybody yeah, yeah. Oh, you've explained things so well I've learned so much from this it's really been really really good um so what would you say to somebody who might be questioning their gender or sexuality um, I think you've probably just covered it in what you yeah. said there um I think um don't be worried about like trying things, um, whether that's trying on different clothes or trying out different pronouns or names. 
um, getting your hair cut or something, or even experimenting with um, people, um, just like give it a try. If it doesn't work for you, you can always go back. Um, other than like medically transitioning, most things aren't permanent. Um, it's easy to change your back. It hair grows. You can cut hair. You can change yeah. clothes. And even if you change yeah, your name think, think and your pronouns really twenty times, as long as you're happy and with whatever you choose i mean who cares really it's your life and if you're still figuring yourself out it doesn't matter um anybody who really cares about you will be willing to support you um along that um yeah and i think um for people who might not have any support there's a lot of groups out there where people will be like a surrogate mum and dad which i think is absolutely lovely i'm in a group well i joined it and it's basically like people who've been maybe kicked out by their parents because they've come out as gay and they like find substitute parents and it's a lovely group unfortunately most of the people are in the USA so I've not personally been able to reach out to anyone but people will find like a new big sister or a little brother and you might think that you've been shunned by your family at that point but there's many people out there that would love to help and support you. And another important thing is that you don't have to come out You don't have to transition or do anything if you don't want to. If you're quite happy hiding it or just not telling people or like just fitting into the norms to keep yourself safe, you have to do what's best for you. Um, You don't have to tell other people. You don't have to tell anyone, really. It's your identity. Um, It's who you are. Um, If you don't feel safe or you don't want to, you don't have to. Yeah, that's that's brilliant advice. Um, and my final question is, do you have any tips on using neo and non-binary pronouns? Because I know a lot of people ask me how I've managed to, to change to Jamie's preferred pronouns. And there's times I've got it wrong because, you know, you're going to get it wrong in, in the first instance. But there's also like certain words that Jamie doesn't mind me using. So like Jamie quite likes dude where some people don't like yeah. dude because it's more masculine um it's difficult to to know what to say yeah i mean um with pronouns um there's especially with neo pronouns there's like an unlimited amount um that you can choose from people make up new ones all the time and that's perfectly fine um some people get a bit fussy with people who use they them or especially it and its um, a lot of people are against using those for ridiculous reasons, really, um, because there's no reason not to. Um, it's all about respecting the person. If somebody asks, says, these are my pronouns, it doesn't matter what your thoughts are. You use those pronouns for them, um, even if it, it might take a bit of time. Uh, it's always helpful to, like, if you get stuck using them, it, to just practice them at home by yourself until you're used to them. Um, oh yeah, with um, because it's not just like he, him, she, her pronouns. It's also like Mister, Mrs., um, and all the others, yeah. and they don't necessarily yeah. have to fit. For example, I'm quite happy if people call me Sir or King or um, some male yeah. pronouns, even though like yeah, being seen as male would um would be uncomfortable to me. I'm okay with those pronouns, um, whereas I don't think there's any 
female pronouns that I am okay with. Um, That's exactly the same as Jamie. If Jamie was referred to with male with something male, that would be fine. But it's the young lady or anything like that. Yeah. It's like, no. Um, so like just figuring out what works for you, what you feel comfortable with. There's no right or wrong. Um, I've heard some cis people saying they feel more comfortable with other pronouns than the ones related to the gender. And they're like, oh, is it okay if I use these? Yes, absolutely. Um, Whatever you're comfortable with. Um, These are terms that refer to you. So if you want certain pronouns, it doesn't matter what your gender is. Um, or what your gender presentation is, whatever works for you is important. You yeah. could be like the most straight cis guy on the planet and want to be called she and her and miss. That's fine because it's whatever yeah. you're comfortable with. Yeah. And there are people out there who don't use any pronouns at all. Um, they just want you to refer to their name. And there are people who are fine with any pronouns. You can just use any or whatever they don't mind. And there are some people who use two or more. Um, they might be like he, him, they, them. Um, so then you'd alternate it um, during the conversation. Like, for example, you might say he went to the store, they bought out some shops and then he came home. So you'd alternate it. Um, for other people, the pronouns change depending on who they um, how they feel on the day, especially like if you're gender fluid, you might use she, her pronouns one day and they, them the next. So just whatever's comfortable and try and respect other people's pronouns. Yeah. And do you know what I found helps me is that I call everybody there then until I know. Yeah. Like if they're uncomfortable, I, th- I think it's easier. It's easier to everybody because everybody is a they them it's easier to do that because I'm so used to doing it with Jamie anyway I just say it about everybody because it's I'd rather do that than upset somebody by misgendering them yeah and once you get into it it's not yeah. difficult I think it is good to use they them as the default and then once you know what yeah. some of these pronouns are just use the ones that they requested but if everyone can just get used yeah. to using they them for everyone's pronouns um it, like yeah. the, if, when they don't know the pronouns, um, that would just make everything so much easier because the chance of misgendering someone is a lot lower. And also, like, when people seem to have a habit of going, um, like, when they get letters home from school, they'll be like, your child, she, her, and then that's it. It'd be so much easier if they just put they. Um, for starters, it's less yeah. words, but also like it's more inclusive, yeah. and you don't have to write out she, the, her, they, and then um, more. It's just yeah. it'd just be so much easier. Oh. Yeah, it would. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. That's been really interesting. I, I like I said, I've learned loads from talking to you. I love your analogies. Thanks. Just think that's brilliant, and hopefully, plenty of people will watch or listen to this, and they'll get to learn a lot more yeah. as well. Thanks for um, inviting me to take part. Oh, no problem. Was there anything you want to say before we finish? Um, I can't think of anything. (laughs) Well, thank you. You, You've been amazing. (laughs)